That's what we should be doing all the time. Um, still kind of stuck on topics. I never know. But uh, here we are. We're doing a uh, another one. It's almost like a series that's not been designed. But um, this morning, we're going to be talking about talking. How about that? Talking about talking. That sounds kind of odd. But uh, we've been given quite a gift, and that's to be able to talk. Of course, we have the ears, and how many ears are there? There are two, and how many uh, mouths are there? There's one. So that tells you that we should be listening more than talking. But there is a time that we are to be talking. And uh, what we're going to deal with this morning is I've kind of adapted out of Thomas Watson's book. He's one of my favorite Puritan writers. And the quotes he has are just tremendous. And I look out there and I think of Janice and I think of um, uh, others. Um, I think Zach Whitson is familiar with Thomas Watson. And I know Dwayne is. Read many of their books. And uh, I just kind of get stuck on him. And uh, so I I want to kind of take some of his language and kind of keep it his, but yet bring it to us in our times, in our particular church, and that it can uh, speak to us today as uh, we learn to speak better. Uh, The title of this is The Great Gain of Godliness. Now, that's the title of the book. Um, He has a chapter dealing with the godly should speak of God. And that's really what our main goal in life is, is to speak the things of God. There is a passage that uh, we're taking out of this morning. It's Malachi 3. Malachi might hear that name back there and come running out here. (laughs) He had a little bitty book, the prophet Malachi did. We find it planted right at the end of the Old Testament. So therefore, you can find this little bitty book very easily because if you can find Matthew, just turn back a few pages and you find Malachi. There are four chapters there, but um, I'm in chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. And this is where we're basing out of this morning. We'll be using a lot of other scriptures, but we'll look at this one. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before Him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem His name. They will be Mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare My own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve Him. Let's pray. Father, You've given us the word in this morning out of this text. May we honor you and may you be pleased with what we talk about this morning as we learn to talk better in our own lives and glorify you more. In your son's name, amen. Well, he starts off in verse 16 with the word then. Then. And to put this into context, Malachi is written after the Babylonian captivity. So, And it's written just before Matthew, but there's still another 400 years before we get written revelation. This is the last prophet who writes until uh, the time of Christ. 
the New Testament. And at this time, the people, even though they had been Babylon, and then they were freed, and many of them returned back to Israel, they grew very corrupt again. After that, you would have thought they would have learned, right? And uh, Thomas Watson said uh, they came out of the furnace worse than when they went in. That's pretty bad. This is a bad time that Malachi writes here. And it's like they're ready for the Messiah, but it's going to be quite a few generations. And I like this line. Then, after that setup that I just gave you, those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. God meant for His people to speak to each other, to commune, to commune like the Holy Trinity. That's going to be a while. It's going to take eternity to learn that, but I'll tell you what, we get a glimpse of it right here. We speak to each other. We're talking about speaking the things of God. We are in a very bad time. We know that. I don't have to emphasize that. I could do a message on that, but it seems like we talk about it quite frequently. We know. Um, It's evil because man is evil. Man is wicked. Man is sinful. Uh, That's the way it's been. But, uh, of course, these times are heightened, mainly probably because of technology and such, but... um, it should not slacken the zeal that we have, even though we live in terrible times. It seems like the looser the times are, and they are, the stricter we should be as far as those degenerate times are and not let those rub off on us in any way. You know, it says right here, then those who feared the Lord spoke and we'll put this word in there because in the Hebrew that's what it is, spoke often to one another. They spoke often to one another. When when others are defaming God and taking God out of the, the whole picture and say He doesn't exist, we are to be speaking about God and His things. That's what Christians are to be doing, to speak for God. That's what these people who feared the Lord... The ones who fear the Lord are Christians or are believers, right? Fear the Lord. Have a great reverence for Him. If you remember, if you go back into the Old Testament, you go back to Genesis, you have a guy by the name of Noah. Noah was a righteous man. He was made that way because God made him that way. But all flesh had corrupted itself. And if you remember, the, the, the old world was drowned in sin. But even before that, it was, uh, you know... Of course, we know later it's drowned in water. But the problem is is they're drowned in sin. They're absolutely corrupt. Noah spoke the Word of God. Noah preached it. Preached it every day. Preached, taught, spoke. Nobody really listened. He was very courageous to do what he did because those were evil times. They were so bad that God destroyed the earth as they knew it. The old world, right? There was another guy who stood up in the early church days. You won't find his name in the Bible. But I will tell you, he was a godly man. His name was Athanasius. 
some of you who know church history know Athanasius. He stood alone, standing for the truth of God, standing for the deity of Christ, standing for uh, a triune God. And at that time, there was something going around that was called Arianism. And that was becoming extremely popular. And if Athanasius would not have stood out with the truth coming from a humanly way of thinking, we know that God's going to make sure that things are going to happen, but if it were not for Athanasius, who's basically standing alone, we would all be like Jehovah's Witnesses today, believing in not the deity of Christ, not believing in the Trinity, were certain men that would stand up for the truth very pretty early. In the, you think of the uh, first few centuries and people had to do that. It's courageous to stand up in front of all the rest of the world uh, and in this, in this case, all the rest of the, the church who was buying the lie. It's a terrible times. So when the atheists say it, it is vain and it's foolish to believe in God, to serve God, then those who fear the Lord speak to one another about God. That's what we're to do. You know, dead fish, they can't swim upstream. They just float downstream. But there are some fish that are alive and they stream they go up against that stream, against that flow. Going against the flow. The common stream of evil is what we have to swim against. So it takes grace to be alive, doesn't it? And to be able to swim against that. You feel like you're getting choked out sometimes. But you keep speaking truth. There was a great prophet by the name of Isaiah. And Isaiah, when you find him in Isaiah 6 when the people had dug down into their altars, he showed what truth was. And through his heart and his lips, he had been amongst the people of unclean lips. And he was one of unclean lips, he said. He had been touched with a coal from the altar. And he spoke truth. And he went up against a nation that was supposed to be godly. They had the oracles of God. And he was one of the few speaking out. He spoke truth. So, we are really charged to do that. All believers, whether it be Old Testament, New Testament, that's what we are to do. Uh, Ephesians 5.15 says to be circumspect or to be wise. Be able to bring out truth when it is to be brought out. We are to be separate from the idolaters. We're to shine as lights in a dark world. That's what it is. It's a dark, evil, sinful world. That's nothing new. But we're to shine out. This is a passage that I just came across just this week. It's in Philippians 2, verse 15. I was really checking it out last night. I go, this is, I know I've seen this. I've read it before, but I'd kind of forgotten about it. We'll pick it up in verse 14. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Well, that's a message right there, isn't it? Okay, next week, it's that verse. I don't know. Verse 15. Why? So that you'll prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent. For as God is concerned, 
Your sins have been forgiven. You ought to be blameless and innocent. But you want to prove that it is. You want to show it. Look at this. Children of God above reproach. Look at this. In the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. How about that? That's God's own words. Here we go. Among whom you appear as lights in the world. Jesus spoke about that city on a hill. He's the light of the world. We reflect that light. Right? Just shining. We're to be shining brightly. And the best way to do that is speak the things of God. And the chips will fall where they may. That's okay. But speak the things of God. And it starts with our own selves. It sure sure builds us up when we hear other people talking about the same thing that we already believe in or hearing some things that we haven't thought of and we take that in and it edifies us you know, and then it builds our thoughts. That's, that's why a church comes together as often as they can because we don't have it all together. We need each other. We need the Word of God. We need God speaking to us through His Word and then sharing it. They spoke often one to another because the times were evil at the time of Malachi. And I've got a feeling it's just as bad now. God's Word is to be our rule. So, it's a common infection that has infested the world. And we're amongst this infection, this leprosy that spread all out. And yet... God's Word rules. And He wants us to use it. So we want to have fervor. We want to have zeal. I mean, we want to be zealous for His truth because who else does He have? He has the church. Or to be strong. Um, degenerate times, right? Watson said we want to burn hotter in a frozen age. You like that? It's a frozen age. We're be burning. He also said this, we live in the dregs of time. This was back in the 1600s. Sin has grown common and impudent. It is excellent to walk contrary to the world. And he used Romans 12 too. Do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That being the Word of God. So we want to be lilies. Have you seen the lilies out in the last week or so? Bright yellow ones, orange, different colors. Beautiful. How about the roses? Beautiful red roses. They were out earlier. They say if you feed those roses, that they'll come back out again. You pinch off the... Does that that work for you guys? (laughs) Anyway, among those roses are what? Thorns. But you know what? Let us be the lilies. Let us be the roses among all the weeds and the briars. Let's be that. We know what the fashion is. People are going with the fashion. You look at the media. You look at what is being offered on all throughout the media and what they're telling you. And the things that are politically correct to say and do. And the things that are not politically correct and, uh, to say and do 
you don't want to do that because that can make you look bad. And they can hang you up for that. But the thing is, is that the truth is what matters. And, uh, of course, there was Alexander Solzhenitsyn that uh, you probably maybe heard Ravi Zacharias talk about. Uh, I think Colson talked about him a lot. He was a Russian, put in prison, a stylog. Uh, it was because that he spoke the truth. He, you know, he didn't like the idea of socialism and, and what it did with the people, uh, turning it into communism. And, and he spoke out, and that's the reason he was put in, in jail. He, he was a Christian. And he came here to America because he was abandoned to here. They let him out, put him uh, away out of the country here for a few years, and he was invited to Harvard in 1978. Harvard was already liberal by that, cha- that time. It had started out as a Christian school. All colleges were seminaries. All were when they first started. Almost all are now liberal. You, you know it, but think about that. And that's where people, are, young people, are being sent to have their mind conformed to this world, being shaped by the world, the world's thinking. They are the elite. Well, he spoke to the elite. It's been said that uh, he was booed, and one of the most respected thinkers and writers of the time. And to be invited to speak at Harvard, you have to think highly of a man. He was cheered by some politely, but uh, he was booed in the background because he told what the Western world was about and where it was going. And he told that this Western world and this nation here was not courageous anymore. You remember the Vietnam War? You know about the other wars that we've been involved with. We don't finish them. The, 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 the nation, he said Russia was laughing at us whenever we said to disarm. He's talking about political things. So what, what does that have to do with this? Well, he kept going. Of course, he talked about the media that was shaping people's minds. The fashion of the world. If you don't fit in with the world, you look like an oddball. So therefore, you go in with whatever they say. And it's the media, just a few, and Hollywood that changes people's thinking. And that's another thing. He called it fashionable thinking. He says things like that, and then you have some people... This goes against the grain of what Harvard was teaching. Whether it be politically, economically... Of course, he really grilled against our economic system. And then he kept progressing, and just to make a matter short, as he would get some scattered boos from the crowd, he finally got it to where it was all about. And he said, this nation has lost God. Taken God completely out. And of course, at Harvard, that's what happened. There are think tank folks That's where the great thinkers come out of, Harvard. And if God is not in the equation, the nations go quick. When he spoke that, it was not favorable at all. But he spoke truth. And it kind of reminded me of the prophets of the old. Whenever they'd come in and really tell the truth, what happened to them? They were stoned. They were killed. Put in prison. Sawn asunder. 
and so it goes. Nothing new. Anyway, I had to look that up because I always heard about that, but I, I never did. And I, it's amazing. You can get almost anything that you want to hear anymore and see. Dialed up right on the internet, just put his name out there and said speech at Harvard. Boom, pops up. So I watched that thing. And I go, wow, I'm hearing this. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm witnessing this for myself because many have spoken about this many times, that, that, that famous speech, and it was later written not too long back about that at Harvard. But he was white. He was a light in the world. And what did the world do? They booed him. One of the most respected men in all the world. Wasn't too much respected after that, but that's what we do. We are a lamp, which is to be shining in this smoking furnace. Like the, the verbiage that Watson uses. Or he talked about, let us be like fish that retain their freshness in salt water. <laughs> you want to consider something? <clears throat> we live in a time of infection. And we want to speak the things which pleases God. We want Him to be delighted in our little gatherings. Whether it's one-on-one, a whole group of people, the things that we're talking about are godly things. Speaking of His glory. You know, that's, that's music in God's ears. And you want to be safe with saying, well, I want God to be pleased. Just start talking about Him. Talk about Christ. Talk about the Holy Spirit. Talk about all the powerful things God has done. And you know what? Consider this. We live in an adulterous generation. And if we hold fast to Christ's name, God gives us honor. God honors us. You say, oh, I don't know about that. That doesn't sound quite right. You know, we're supposed to honor Him. No, He, he honors us. Because in our text, you remember reading that? Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. He always does that. But it's like He takes that in and it says a scroll of remembrance was written in His presence concerning those who feared the Lord and thought upon His name. They will be Mine. We're His. We belong to Him. He owns us. You like that? You hear that expression today, right? Ah! Especially in a sporting event. Hey, He owned Him. (laughs) He owns us. I'm proud to say He owns us. He owns me. You know where there's a... In Revelation, there's a church, Pergamum. And you know where it sat? In the seat. The seat of Satan sat there. Satan's throne sat there. There's different interpretations on that, but that, that's a literal church that was a literal physical place really existed. And uh, some have said that from Babylon, um, the religions, all the religions of the world besides Christianity really were started there. They developed in different nations and such. The headquarters became Pergamum. And then later it moved to Rome. That ought to set you to thinking, shouldn't it? But at Pergamum, Satan's seat was there. 
And can you imagine that? The holiness of the church was there because of holding fast to Christ's name. I think that's incredible. Because you thought, well, they had an excuse. That's a tough place to be. Look at verse 13 of chapter 2 of Revelation. I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Wow! His throne was there. That was like that was his headquarters here on earth. All these religions. That was Revelation two thirteen. That's incredible. You ever felt like this is where Satan's throne is? Look in Psalm thirty seven thirty seven. Great praises in Psalms. Psalm thirty seven thirty seven. This is really to encourage us to speak the things of God. Because I tell you what, the world is wanting to shut us up. And there's some just tremendously horrible moral things changing in our society so quick. In our lifetimes, we've seen it happen just before our eyes. 37. 37. Mark the blameless man and behold the upright, the righteous ones. For the man of peace will have a posterity. Behold the upright. Upright man is worth beholding. He's a bright star. He shines in the dark. And having losing, losing everything, he still holds fast his integrity. He's based on the truth. Well, that's the introduction, folks. <laughs> Let's go to point number one. As Christians, we have a character about us that's been given. We automatically have that. We need to tap into that character. But God gives us a new nature, doesn't He? Our old nature wants to continue. That, 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 I can say that, that um, man that we battle against, old man is dead, but we still have the flesh that we, we deal with. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. When the wicked said, and if you, you were to back up and go back into like a verse or two before that, it says, it is vain to serve God. That's what the wicked say. It's empty to even believe in Him. But those who feared the Lord spoke often with each other. They talked often. They talked of, Puritans use the word pious. Piously. Talked of the things of God. The spiritual things. Holy Spirit was leading Controlling them. So whenever they would meet together, they had a holy conference. Always a holy conference. Speaking of things of God. You know, we have a charge all the way back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6. Way back in the law, one of the first things that they would teach in the family would be about God and His words. Deuteronomy 6, 6, you've heard this many times. Of course, you have the Shema in verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. They say that three times a day, every day. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Boy, that sums it up there, doesn't it? And here we go with verse 6. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Right here. They shall be in you. You shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your household, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. This is nothing new, is it? You've heard this many times. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontals on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate. Just dominating your whole person. Every aspect of your life. And you're always using it as an opportunity to teach. Always talking about the things of God. Maybe listening about the things of God to people. Repeat them again and again as it starts with the children. That's who the teachers are. And you know, today we turn it over to the Sunday school teachers. Going back to the fifties and the Sunday school and forties, and they it was like, oh, I don't know what to talk to them about. I don't know how to teach, but there's a Sunday school teacher, and I'll let them do it. Well, that's fine and dandy. It's good to have somebody else supporting what you have already taught. And so they gave it over to them. And you got weak Sunday schools, for the most part, in the body of Christ today. People are speaking about things they don't even know what it really means. And there are many that are teaching that are not even gifted with teaching, but they're volunteered to teach. They don't want to do it, but they do it because that's what they're supposed to do. They have no gift whatsoever. How did I get on that? Well, our responsibility. <laughs> Better get it back there, right? I'm ranting and raving. Thomas Watson didn't even have to deal with that because there were no Sunday schools back then. There were never Sunday schools until the last generation. I'm not saying it's totally wrong to have Sunday schools and Bible studies, but for the most and, and, and youth groups. Boy, get on to Vadi uh, Bachman's site. Did I say that right? Yeah, yeah. Vody. He's good. Really biblical. Let him start talking about who's to be teaching who. It's the parents. If somebody else wants to come along, it's great. When you know that they're teaching the same thing that you are, fantastic. That just supports it. Matter of fact, they say, well, then my parents aren't so crazy. Because this guy over here is saying this, this guy over here is saying this, so there must be something. I mean, they they support you. That's what the rest of the church is about. We're there to support what those other kids, those kids are learning. And so when, whenever they have those classes, when somebody's teaching it right and correctly, you can say, praise the Lord. That's good. That's a good thing. You know what? We have that. It's going on right now. It's been taught at home. It's been taught here. And then you can kind of solidify it and show the kids that there is, you know, you can have a good time in the Lord too, you know. We're not sticking, what, sticks in the mud? Whatever. But it's our character to do those things. You know, grace is like fire. And when you get a fire going, it just mounts up. And of course, out west they have those fires and they can't put them out. Well, when you have the grace of God in you and you have the Word of God, it, you just, it, 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 it's pent up. It can't help. It's got to come out. You know, the Word of God's got to come out of you. We have a treasure. The treasure is not gold and silver. The treasure is something more important. And we can bring out of that treasury from the within. And we can bring that out and speak of those things. Um, in Job 32.18, it says, I am full of words 
and my spirit compels me to speak. (laughs) The spirit compels him to speak. Paul said, I can't do anything else. I have to keep preaching the gospel. It's there. It's it's welling up in me. I've got to do it. Speak often to one another. You know, you're a you, you have a honeycomb, Thomas Watson said. You are a honeycomb. You have sweetness in there. You have honey to give to people. The word of God is like honey. Matter of fact, if you live in a country, the country is known for its language. Oh, they speak that language. We're Christians. We actually have a language. It's the language of heaven. We are to be speaking the things that come from heaven. The very Word of God. That's who we belong to. Uh, It says in Proverbs 18.4, look at that. I like the wording in this so well. Psalms, Proverbs 18.4. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. Been thirsty? Been working all day? You're dehydrated? And you see a bubbling brook out in the desert all of a sudden. See this overflowing. There's nothing that has looked better than a cold drink of water when you are as dry as you can possibly be. And spiritually it works that way too, doesn't it? Oh, wow. A wellspring of wisdom. That's what uh, I think that King James probably says. Well, that's the character of the Christian and that's what he has. That's, that's there, folks. You don't have to just work it up. I've got to try to get... No, it's there but it's based upon what you read in the Word of God and what you invest in there. And then the Spirit draws that out as you meditate on it and now you're able to speak it. The wisdom of God now actually is encountered by people. The wellspring of wisdom when you've been in the Word of God and the Spirit of God is blessing that. Now, what about the ones who don't speak about God? The ones who don't have that fruit of the Spirit. The ones who are silent. Notice the silence. People sometimes are silent whenever they could be speaking the things of God. Opportunity to talk about the things of God. In Psalm 71, 24. My tongue also will utter your righteousness. Look at this. All day long. For they are ashamed, for they are humiliated who seek my hurt. The first part of that, uttering righteousness all day long. Thinking on the things of God. Praying always. That's another way to think about it. Communication with God. Talking about that. About the kingdom of God. 
but there's silence so many times. And then after that, you have idle talk. The unbelievers are masters at idle talk. They don't say anything spiritually profitable. It's just vain things that really mean nothing. What is it to eternity? They've just wasted an hour speaking about ridiculous things that don't amount to a hill of beans. It's nothing. No profit in it whatsoever. As a matter of fact, Watson said it's no more profitable than an infant's mutterings. <laughs> they speak vanity, everyone, with his neighbor, Psalm 12.2. They speak vanity, empty. In Matthew 12.36, this is mind-blowing here. You've heard this before, but when you really think on it, you go, wow. Matthew 12.36, look at this. I think this is not only talking about unbelievers, but I, I think even believers need to take note of this. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for in it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, by your words you'll be condemned. Now we know we're justified by faith. It's the grace of God that saves us. So just by saving, you won't have salvation because you speak nice things. But it shows where your heart really is. And I, I, I think we need to take note that there is a judgment seat of Christ. There's the Bema seat where He will judge what we've done here as Christians. What we have done with what He's given. And there can be things that we have said in our lives. A careless word. He takes account of us. He says, I tell you that every careless word... He's serious. He's not joking when He says this. I tell you, Jesus is saying this, isn't He? I tell you, every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. Once it's out there, it's out there. I don't know what kind of judgment that will be. We don't lose our salvation. But I think we need to take note of that and any time we have said some vain words, empty words, cuss words, blasphemous words, God does take note of that. And He's not pleased with it. And there will be an accounting for that. I think I have to take that seriously. That is almost... That makes you fearful, doesn't it? Remember the fear of God? I think... We might want to take that verse with us home today if we don't learn anything else and realize I must be careful with what I say. But you can say, yeah, but that was just the heat of the moment. It got out and it needed to be said, so I, I said it that way and, and so be it. Tough for them. Okay? God says, I'm not going to say anything. That is written down. I will judge you for that. Hmm. Pretty scary, isn't it? Wow. Take it seriously. What an account we will have to give. How about the uh, one who talks nothing of the world? Just It's always the worldly thing. That's all he has to speak about. Of course, the farmer is going to speak of the, the plow and the tradesmen are going to speak of their uh, whatever they trade in. And of course, today you think of drugs and <laughs> all the other stuff that's going out there. But when they don't include God in it, it says in John 3.31, the one who is from the earth belongs to the earth. And he speaks as one from the earth. 
The one who is from heaven speaks the things of heaven. That's our nature. That's our character. That's what we should be doing. There are some people that all they can do is talk about secular things because that's all they are. They're worldly. They're fleshly. That's all they speak about. Seneca, the great wise man he was, he was asked uh, of what country he was and he answered, I'm a citizen of this world. We sang a song earlier this morning, Home Where I Belong. Because really our citizenship is in heaven. Even though we are dual citizens, yes, we live here, we are to live responsibly, but we know many to be citizens of this world, don't we? That's what they belong to. And their speech always betrays them. Souls are bent toward the earth. They're empty of spiritual things. And when you hear that, doesn't it sadden you? The things that they say and they're just spewing out of their mouth and it's just like trash. It's garbage. It's sewage. And you go, oh. it almost hurts the ears to hear that. The tongue also. One who speaks much. There are many that speak much, but in a bad sense. A tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. When you think of James 3.6, it talks about the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is set on fire by hell. Wow. James didn't hold back any punches, did he? Harsh words can be spoken. Anger. Much of the world is angry today because they have nothing really to really focus their lives on, to be anchored. When you have water and it's hot, it soon will boil over. It'll boil over. Just like anger boils over and it shows, it just mounts up, gets hotter and hotter, and it soon boils over in a furious speech whenever it's lit out, ripping out of the mouth. Many curse in their anger. It's not to be done. It's made in the fashion of a sword, Watson said the tongue is. And it cuts like a sword. Once those words are out there with a biting, cutting way, they harm. And ultimately, they harm the one who says those words. Another thing that God is reminding us is complaining. We do that with our mouths and our tongues. Look at Numbers 14.27. You have the nation of Israel rebelling after God has been taking care of them and then He puts a test on them and what do they do? We know what we're supposed to do when a test comes, but sometimes we go back to our humanness. God says... 14:27 How long or numbers 14:27 How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who are grumbling against me I have heard the complaints of the sons of Israel which they are making against me they were complaining against God who had delivered them out of the nation of Israel is like a, a picture of salvation then got them out there gave them water gave them food and they're they're going to complain though because they want things when they want it, how they want it. They were complaining and murmuring. 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 Proceeds from unbelief. Matter of fact, when they distrust God's promises, that's really what they're doing. They're distrusting 
His promises. And when they do that, they murmur at His providences. And remember, the providences aren't always the way that we would want, but He's providing the way that He knows best. And we murmur against those providences. How are we any different than the children of Israel? He says, I can hardly bear this. Israel's speeches were venomous the way that they talked. And then God punished them with venomous serpents. Find that in 1 Corinthians 10.10. Filthy language. When men break forth in filthy speech, it shows the heart's corrupt. It just shows what's inside when that kind of speech comes out. Filthy lips of a spiritual leper. And then some mix every sentence they have with an oath. Have you heard those guys? And then some talk about others. Rather than talking about God, they criticize others. They don't imitate their graces, but they speak upon people's failings. Rather than looking at the things how God has blessed them and the things they look at their failings and they start talking about them. Their tongues will be that way. The sign of a hypocrite does that. They speak of others in slandering. They speak to the harm of another. They speak that which is not true. A slanderer's wounds. Words can wound people. Something that a physician can't heal. God takes ill at this. He hates slandering. Matter of fact, the word for slander signifies the devil. He is the slander. Slander is the devil's proper sin. He's the accuser of the brethren. You know, there's a commandment before that. That's the ninth commandment. There's a commandment called uh, not committing adultery. Well, Satan doesn't commit adultery, but he does break this ninth commandment. That's what he does. So our nature, that nature that for we knew Christ, is prone to slander. Flesh is prone to slander. What about it for the Christians? This is pretty heavy stuff. And if that was all about the the unbeliever, let's take it back for exhortation for us now. We want to balance this. I don't want to leave you hanging out like this so you guys might not speak to me again. <laughs> When you meet another Christian, isn't it great? You have something in common and you start imparting your spiritual knowledge. They impart their spiritual knowledge, their experiences that God has done with them. There's a, there's a perfume about Christians. A spiritual perfume that gives off something really savory. We want godly conversations. And you say, well, I just don't know what to think of. I'd like to be talking about the things of God, but I don't know what to speak. Watson said this, Have you walked in the fields of Scripture? And when you walk in the fields of Scripture, you gather the ears of corn. When you walk in the Scriptures, you gather the fruit that's there. You eat it. When you speak to somebody, you talk about promises. God's promises. No honey is so sweet as the God that has given us promises and we know truth. Think about this. Do you have a friend that has given you redemption? He redeemed us. Wouldn't we want to speak of Him? How about our sin? As we battle sin, we speak to each other about that. This is the things that infects us. How about the beauty of His holiness? We talked several weeks about the beauty of God. Last week, that's what we dealt with. His holiness. Thinking about the splendor 
the majesty of this great God and His holiness. How about eternity? Speaking about heaven. Oh, we do that quite often, don't we? Isn't that great to talk about? The things related to the time of Scripture. Think about Elijah and Elisha. You know what they were doing before Elijah went on up and to be with, with God as he went into that chariot? They were talking. Elijah and Elisha. These are men of the Hall of Faith or whatever. I mean, these guys are the, the prophets, man. They're together. You know what they're talking about? They're talking with each other. They're talking about God, I can guarantee you. The things of God. And you know what? God sometimes just takes those right on up to be with Him. Enoch was talking with God, and guess what happened to him? Right? Some things to consider there. Speaking of the glorious kingdom, we want to be redeeming the time. There's no better way to redeem the time than be speaking of the things of God. Jesus is our very model. The woman at the well, He spoke words of wisdom to her. He spoke the water of life to her. Pertaining the things of God, the kingdom. Matter of fact, the more godly talk that we have with others, you know what it does? It starts preventing sin. Because if we start going off on our own, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't be sharing our experiences and things that we do in our life. Matter of fact, that doesn't, that doesn't separate from what we're talking about. But what we're talking about is, yeah, we put God back into it. Here's what God blessed with. Here's, here's what I've done this week. Or here's what I did in years past. Uh, that was sinful, but here's what he did, and he adjusted it, and now, you know. I mean, there's so many different ways to go. You can talk about it, and all of a sudden, you put God right back into the matter of it. He doesn't, you don't have to say God in every sentence. But somewhere, he is to be brought back into play on that, because he's standing over here on the side, and he says, Yeah, what about me? <laughs> oh, the heart. And you know what? Words are the very looking glass of the mind. You know, the Ephraimites, and, and Bob brought this up last week, I think it was the word Shibboleth. Was that the word that we were talking about? Shibboleth. That's interesting, because they were Ephraimites, they were known by the pronunciation. And, you know, if you come from a certain part of the country, you have a, a different uh, an accent or something. And the Ephraimites had that. And so if the enemy wanted to know, or if they, they wanted to know if this was really one of the Ephraimites that they're trying to, to get, all they have to do is say, say Shibboleth. You know what they would say? Shibboleth. Because that's the best they could do. And they would know right there that they were an Ephraimite. <laughs> so, kind of interesting. What, what comes out of us, people will know. And if something is coming out, that it goes, wow, that's, what's that? Or if we say something that's very scriptural and true and spiritual, people see that that's coming out of Right here. Matter of fact, we should be like a fire, blowing up one another's grace into a flame, as Watson would say. Holy speeches come out of the mouth of holy people. How can we apply this? Colossians 3.16 talks about filling your mind with the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Be filled with knowledge. Be filled with that. Even draw out of it. Make Christ your delight. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago, right? He is our delight. He is our joy. He is everything. We're delighted. We're enamored with Christ's beauty. It's overflowing from us. We can't hide it. We can't conceal it. It's there. I can't wait to talk about that. 
And then pray that God would give you grace to speak godly. O Lord, open my lips, the psalm writer said in Psalm 51.15. He was confessing his sin there, David was. O Lord, open my lips. Satan has locked up men's lips. People who are unbelievers. And we pray that those hearts, those lips would be opened. Right? We want those people to say the things that we believe in and say. And close this off. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Psalm 119, verse 46. Speak the Word of God amongst ourselves, out in the world. When somebody has a different view that's unbiblical, bring out the truth. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your truth. Mold us more into Your Word of God. Thank You for these people and the grace that You've given. And that grace would be just coming from our mouths. That people would sense that grace and feel it and a desire to know more about what Christ is all about because of the very graciousness that comes out of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll uh, take a few moments. Um, sometimes we just don't get a chance to share with each other. And since we're talking about talking, um, I want to give us all a chance of that, that talking. But uh, first of all, I want to say thank you, Julia, for doing our PowerPoint. Zach is here almost every week, and he put he did the PowerPoint, and then we, we sent it to Julia, and she just took care of all that. I didn't have to think about a thing. It was all just fired up, ready to go. Uh, a lot of times it's there automatic, but there's a lot of work that goes beyond that. But thank you for going in for whatever we always need. We appreciate that. Uh, and I know um, a lot have been asking about your job. She's now has a job uh, at at Tipton, right? So, what the Lord has in mind there. Be praying for you as you enter into the real work of that, as you've had training. Um, yesterday we had a birthday over there. That that, uh, that young strapping buck that's over there. Youthfulness. <laughs> he hasn't been feeling too great this week, but he he, came, he worked this week and then he came here and played today and he even even tried to and he sang. I said, try to sing. He sang, sang good. But yeah, yeah. It only had so much voice to go. But um, anyway. He is now, I'm going to say, 19. That's what I'm going to say. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Miss Close. Happy birthday to you. Right in front of our eyes, they have grown up. Young adults, I like to say, and they are on fire for the Lord. And I'm thankful for them, if I can say I'm proud of them. We got to be a part of their lives. And we continue to be. I'm not saying, hey, that's the end of it. Now he's going to, you know, who knows where the Lord leads you. But I'm, I'm just thankful for that we've had the opportunity to to share music and, and the Word of God and, and seeing how they grow. And they, they are fearless with the Word of God. They, they take it for seriously. They really do. They read and they study and they share it. 
So anyway, I, I, I say that for the glory of God. I'm still an embarrassment. But, uh, I'll be saying some embarrassing things. <laughs> 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 Just keep going. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, let's see. I think definitely keep Carolyn in mind because things have really gone down, if you can say, hill or south just in the last few months. And not only her foot, but I mean every part of her body is having all sorts of problems. And it's almost like she's allergic to everything. And it's about just to survive from day to day. I just say that honestly. I'm just saying pray hard because I don't know what what comes next. I I really don't. And and she's really having a a battle with it. And it's like, what do you do? um, I'll be looking at doctors again, but it has to be somebody that just doesn't run us through tests again. And they say, well, the best thing you can do is cut your foot off. (laughs) And and they spend hundreds and and thousands of dollars, and nobody really can do anything. And so we're at at our wit's end because we don't know who we go to who can really, really desire to... No, Well, let me see that. Let's find out what's happening. Take me. Starts off with a passage, and, and this isn't really, there's a, like a couple paragraphs here. Uh, finally, brethren, pray for us. This is 2 Thessalonians 3 1 3. Pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course. Like that? And be glorified, even as it is with you. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. Second Thessalonians 3, 1-3. He says, Dear our in Christ, bless the Lord on the great mercy of the Almighty. We remember you in our prayers each time when we are coming before the grace throne. Interceding for you at the will of the sovereign God for the glory of the Christ. We have people praying for us in a different country. We need your prayers for blessings of our service to the King of Kings, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Already soon, since June 10th, we recover in missionary travel to Yakutsk, 
and then shred the other one. The big where I'm from, I'm not from Russia. <laughs> the big spiritual work for the glory of the Christ there is necessary, as well as all over the world. There, it is a lot of atheists, <laughs> but we trust that there is chosen to God to rescue the glory of Jesus Christ. The more we preach about glory and greatness of the Lord and the King of the Christ, we have opposition from dead religion and the people who has religion where the person in the center and worship the people, the nations more, and glorify the carnal person. I'm sorry, Okay. Yeah, I know that's kind of tough. I think I get the idea. I didn't. The more we preach about glory and greatness of the Lord and King of Christ, we have opposition from dead religion. The dead religions, they actually, people are confessing Christ there, but there's nothing to them. And people who has religion where the person in the center and worship, he's talking about the person, the people, the nations, they glorify the carnal person. I would say that's anthrocentral or man-centered. Which is exactly what is happening in our country today. That's exactly where it points to. It's not meeting the felt needs of people. Well, you don't make me feel good. You know, I have needs. That's about self. That's what he's talking about. But grace of the Christ, I am that is. And the grace of the Christ plentifully blesses me to glorify the Lord. We ask you to pray for Sister Marina. For 23 years, she wishes to join church through baptism, but her parents, especially the father, categorically against her belief in the Christ, also turned her out of the house. Her father has collected all relatives against Marina, and they abuse her and offend her. As one more big family of five persons wishes wishes to join our church, they listened one year to our sermons on the internet and have believed in sovereign grace of the Christ. For them have started in pursuit in the church where the person in the center, that's how it started, man, center, gospel. They have left that carnal religion and have started to visit our church. They have heard the original gospel and have obeyed the Almighty. Praise to God. But there is there some persecution from carnal people and on places where they work, them began to concern sharply negatively. Pray for them that God has strengthened them in belief and has given a him deep love to Jesus that they could suffer for a name of the Christ with pleasure and of persecution for the Christ were not afraid. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. I read that because we needed to take time to remember them. It's been a while since we read them. Sometimes I get some in of mean to share it with you guys. and uh, So... Our communion this morning, without the elements and such, really are about them and pray for them specifically. And they're lifting us up. Thank you, guys, wherever you're at, right? For praying for us. 
How many other churches in Jeff City are praying for us? Well, anyway, that's Brother Sergey, and that's their church. And uh, boy, God is working in that, isn't He? We talk the things of God, and so I just kind of wanted to share that. Uh, that's that's the way that we're to be talking about. Don't you get joy of seeing how God is doing all that? And so it, it brings little things in our life back to perspective, where things really matter. Anybody have any anything else on your hearts before we Yeah. Yeah. Um, you stand up, Stand up. Stand up. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I uh, I just uh, on uh, behalf of, of all of Grace Community Church, um, we uh, I'm sure that that you all would would uh, agree that uh, you know we are. Most blessed by being receiving the word here, by uh, being taught the scriptures, um, and because I, I guess I'm looking for a proof text on this. I, I during the during my was uh, preaching, and I was listening too, but I was <laughs> searching out something because I usually do do that anyway. My mind goes somewhere, and I I, I got to find it. So anyway, I'm gonna I'll use. I use this in First Timothy uh, chapter five, uh, where Paul Paul's instructing Timothy, and we're instructed by Dennis and, and actually by Dennis and Carolyn in terms of their being the ministry leaders of our body here, our little body. Uh, you know, chapter seventeen of uh, chapter five, First Timothy. Let the elders be rule well, and rule well be considered uh, worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. You're sure treading a lot of grain. You're sure a good ox. And the Lord and the laborer deserves his wages. And so, on behalf of the church, um, it was uh, it's just fitting and necessary, and, and just blesses us when we can bless uh, back our uh, servants of work, and so the church is uh, uh, <laughs> going on you and Carolyn uh, a uh, you know something to to help maybe help you you deem. You you know can help be helpful to you. Uh, you know what you were saying about Carolyn there this morning uh, that, that brought up thought that maybe there could be some help there for you for that. Maybe for your new home because in, in a way it's sort of a sort of a housewarming housewarming uh, thing that we wanted to you know lay at your doorstep. So there you go. Receive it well, be blessed, as we are blessed by providing the in your example. You know, um, Paul is giving advice about the, the bishops and the, and the deacons and so forth. He also gives advice about the wives. Of course, mm-hmm. so often the, uh, the shepherds mm-hmm. make his overload. 
Christmas. And, and uh, overburdened. Yeah. And uh, I just want to say, you know, taking it upon myself, but I, I don't think there's any risk of just speaking for anyone.
Well, I'm also grateful for the tag team youth group, you know. <laughs> yeah. Without them, it'd just be a full rider sitting. That's right. We we need we need the uh, we need the youth. I think I think of Zach Whitson and thank the Lord how you know he's working him to you know to work with the kids and that's a that's a great ministry to to be able to do and. Sometimes it might be if we can have some suggestions. You know, he he misses basically the whole message. You know, comes in he has the kids. You know, through the week and then Rebecca the same. You know, so sometimes if we can, you know, kind of give them relief somehow. I don't I don't know how to work it out. I've never had the answer on it. I don't think any of us really have. But uh, we know we we're here for them to be edified and not just to be, you know, just a, t- a time for them just to whatever. But uh, so that's shaped up, but if anything uh, can be of help, uh, we're, we're looking into the matter of maybe getting a little more uh, room in the church as far as extra rooms, and that would uh, uh, allow that, you know, like the, uh, the office maybe move to a, a different spot. Because Rebecca has one coming on the way, and she, <laughs> that's a different age than the other one. And then I'm thinking, well, how is she going to... They're going to come to church here, but they won't be able to really participate much. And that bar- burdens my heart as well as, you know, you guys too. And it's like, what, what can we do with the answer there? So put that into prayer and thought, how we can, you know, kind of be of relief and maybe take a burden there because that youthful uh, gift and, 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 and all the stuff that God has given our young people you know, we bounce off of that. You know, we, we need that. Because a lot of us are getting older and we don't have that same youthful urge sometimes. And when you have somebody doing that, it, it helps give you uh, more energy. You know what I mean? And uh, I'd I pray that the Lord would bring some more young people here. Uh, and I know it doesn't look like we, we are geared for that. And we're not. That's the thing. It, it's a God thing. We have the Word of God here, and we don't cater to any age group. It really, I mean, we just we teach the Word and preach the Word. I don't know what else to do here, and I don't want to do anything else. That's really what it's meant for. It's geared to that. Whatever ministry comes out of it, somebody does a Bible study or does something else, fantastic. However, the Lord leads that, and if it, it turns out, hey, we need a space. Well, hey, we we got a space here. We got a room here. Uh, if we if we need to expand on that, we certainly will will want to do that, invest into that. Or if, uh, where we're at now, we'd like to use our house as some kind of ministry again, whenever whenever we can. That's what we started out at a house. Carolyn's main thing is okay. We've moved out here. We want to open our house up, and that's how our Bible study got started on Monday night. That's how church got started on Sunday and all the discipleship things that went on there for all that time up until, you know, the last decade or so, you know, we've been out of there. But it started there. And again, it's like, okay, we've got a new neighborhood. And who knows what, what will happen there. Or maybe Bible schools, there, there's, there's space there. And it's like, wow, there's more space than we ever had before in, in some ways. So if God wants to use that, you know, I think what I'm saying is uh, Carolyn's still in favor of that. It just she has a tough time right now being able to do what she used to do. Uh, but if the Lord lays on our heart, but you know, we're in town, we're closer here now. There's a bunch of friendly neighbors over where we're at. Yep. We'd like to see some fruit out of that kind of thing. And that's kind of what started before, many years later, thirty years later. You know, but. Uh, 
Anyway, yeah, Nick. I just wanted to bring up Andrew. I was wondering, do we know? I mean, we we haven't even seen him for a month or two. I was just wondering, should we be praying for him? Definitely. I think with his physical thing that he has, which is very serious, uh, I think it's life threatening. Huh? Has it gotten worse? Well, he has his days, and whenever he also has.
be, be thinking of some of these specific ones that we had and, and put those up and then take them home with you. Yeah. 